0: It's time for episode 486 of the Clockwise Podcast from Relay FM, recorded Wednesday, January 18th, 2023. Clockwise, four people, four tech topics, 30 minutes.
1: Welcome back to Clockwise, the tech podcast that pairs. <coughs> Oh, perfectly with high-intensity interval training. I am one of your hosts, Micah Sargent, and I am joined f- across the internet by my good pal, my dungeon buddy, because we play Dungeons & Dragons online uh, occasionally. It's Dan, the man, More, and
0: Dan, how is your workout going? Whew. I didn't know we were doing jumping jacks <laughs> today, and I am exhausted. <laughs> I just... Uh, i need a i need a breather can we hit pause
1: on this one well while you breathe i will introduce uh well start introducing the guests at least uh joining me to or joining us rather to my left is the president and principal analyst at creative strategies as well as the founder of the heart of tech it is
0: carolina milanese welcome back to the show carolina
2: thank you for having me always a pleasure
0: And to my left this week, it is a senior editor at Nine to Five Mac and a man who knows a lot about space, among other things. It's Zach Hall. Welcome back, Zach. Hello, Dan. To my right.
1: It is time to get going. My question for you. uh, AirTags, they launched back in April of 2021. Um, So they've been around for a little bit. And I'm curious, do you have any? And if you do, take a second to really think about whether or not you use them. And then I'm curious if you use or own any other item tracking technology. Uh, Carolina, we'll start
2: with you. I do have a bunch, and they have proven quite useful uh, during our move from Silicon Valley to Atlanta uh, last year to see where my pod was <laughs> with <laughs> half of our belongings. And the fact that they were telling me it was somewhere else versus what I could see on a map. So that was interesting. Um I also appreciate how, um, obviously there's been a lot of debate around security features, especially for women and how you can track different things. Um, Apple has done, uh, improvements on, on this front to a point where I wasn't tracking my child. I was tracking their backpack. I promise. But, uh, as it happens, it did signal, um, you know, my kid that somebody was tracking and, and the, um, air tag does make a noise so that you know there is an air tag that is not associated with your iPhone or, or iPad, um, that is tracking you. So I appreciate that. I had used before tiles, uh, for different things. Um, and, and then I switched to air tags and I have my car keys uh i put a, i put one actually comes integrated in my luggage um so i have one in my luggage and um i tried to put one on a dog that didn't work out very well
0: <laughs> <laughs> i have i bought a four pack when they first came out and i think i found places for 3 of them I like the idea of them, but they have not actually ended up being super useful in purpose. Maybe it's sort of just like the insurance issue, right? Where it's like, you, you don't want to have to use it, right. but you're glad if it's actually there. But it's, maybe it's just also made us much more conscious of our stuff and keeping track of our stuff. Um, I do get frustrated a bit with that and with the built-in stuff with like AirPods and uh, Macs and iPads and stuff where it like always wants to alert me when I've left my iPad somewhere. <laughs> Um, It's like, yes, I know I left an iPad at the hotel where I was staying. That was on purpose. You don't have to keep telling me about it every single time. Um, So I wish there was a little more granularity in some of the ways it could handle things. But I, yeah, I'm fine with it. I have never used any other tracking stuff either. So for me, uh, AirTags work just fine. Zach, what about you?
3: Uh, Originally, I was super enthusiastic about AirTags and bought way too many. Um, After all the reports of people being tracked by them, for a while, I was sort of morally opposed to them and just sort of quietly put them away. And then the stories changed from, um, people are being tracked with air tags to people are discovering that air tags are with them. And it's sort of what changed was Apple changed the way that they work. And so people can discover when they're around them versus discover um, like physically finding them. And so then I felt a whole lot better about it. So then I, I said, okay, this is that I'm, I'm, I'm all the way back in on air tags. think the, the tracking issue has been resolved. I do have sort of a feature request for air tags and it's, it's related to the car. So I want my car to be a safe place. Like my home was a safe place. Um, so that when I leave something like my backpack in the car, um, you know, it's in the trunk out of sight, locked that I don't get notified that it's been left behind. Um, I, w- I would like that a lot. And then as for anything else with tracking, um, I used to have a motorcycle that had live location and I sold it. And for about two months, I could still see where it was until the new <laughs> owner got around to registering it himself. So that was a little creepy, but uh worked out.
1: I also bought the four pack way back when it came out and I have, um, one that is in a, uh, really nice, uh, I think it's from Nomad. It's a remote case for the new Siri remote and it's leather and it makes the Siri remote a little bit more, uh, nice in the hand, but underneath you stick an air tag inside and then you put the remote over the top of it. And so that one is really handy. Haven't had to use it, but you know in the instance that I did lose the remote, it'd be great to be able to find it and it now is very easy to find um I don't go a whole lot of places, so I haven't really had need of air tags uh and that's kind of what sparked this question whether people were really using them or if it was just a lot of well I've got these and uh I guess they're they're useful if I need them, but it's cool to see that there is uh there are People who are getting use out of them. So thank you all for your answers on that. Let us go to our next topic, which comes from Carolina.
2: Well, I thought that or I felt that everybody was playing with uh, Chat GPT over the holidays, asking all sorts of questions, and I was curious if any of you actually had uh, a job done through Chat GPT, uh, perform a task, or anything that you needed to do. Uh, Maybe work related or or uh, anything of the sorts. I
0: did not. I've seen. I have friends who've played a lot with Chat GPT, but it's not something I've ended up using very much myself. I think in large part because, as someone who has always been a writer and enjoyed writing things and felt a you know an affinity in with writing and feels like maybe. They're actually pretty good at writing. I just don't. There wasn't anything for me to get out of it. Like I have messed around with some of the uh, AI art programs because drawing and art is not a skill I have at all. And so for me, that's incredible and amazing to see the stuff that it can generate. Um, you know, when for me, it's like I can barely draw a stick figure. <laughs> um, but you know, writing. I think it's also much easier for me to see the gaps and mistakes when it comes to AI-generated writing, um, whether it's stuff that's factual or it's stuff that's just badly written. Um, And so I I haven't felt much of a desire to play around with it. Um, I've seen some interesting stuff done, but for me, um, I guess I feel like, stop trying to take my job, robots. (laughs)
3: <laughs> Zach, what about you? For me, I've I've not used it in any professional capacity, but I um, had a lot more fun playing around with Chat GPT than some of the art stuff, even though that was also fun. Um, but one one thing I did do was whenever uh, Daniel Jalkett's Mars Edit Five came out, I wrote the nine to five Mac article based on um, using the app and the the bullet press release, you know, feature changes. And um and then and then had my story published it and then I got curious and I wondered how different would this have looked if um Chat GPT had wrote it and Ooh. so I, I I prompted um write a news article about Mars at a five these are the new features and then inserted the bullet points and it, within seconds it came out with an actually usable article I, I did not replace mine with it but what what I decided then was that it, it lacked sort of the the humor and references that I can, I, I sort of like to put into my stories, Um, you know, the personal touch, obviously, but it could have been a good foundation, a good starting point for, okay, here's the kind of grunt work. Now let me add my artistical, you know, spin to it. So, you know, I, I, I kind of don't know that the chat GPT like that, that we're trying out now will be around for a long time for free, and I certainly wouldn't pay for it. But um, in the meantime, I am a little curious about using it as sort of a foundation and then changing it drastically to be unrecognizable afterwards. So a little curious about it.
1: I actually, there, there have been a, f- a few instances. One, um, I, it was Thursday, and I, I do a show called Tech News Weekly. And we have at the end of the show, our stories of the week. And I hadn't found one the day before. And so the morning of, um, I found the story of the week that I wanted to cover. But I had 10 other things I needed to do that morning. And so I highlighted the article, I pasted it into uh, chat GPT. And I said, I need a bullet point summary of this article, and hit enter or whatever. And it spit out some uh, very good points. And then I happen to have a little bit of downtime. And so I was able to read through maybe the first half of the article. And you know, line it up with what the bullet points were. And I was very impressed. It did a really good job of summarizing. Um, I found that very uh, exciting that I was able to actually use it for something uh, that I was working on. Uh, What about you, Carolina? Uh,
2: Where I thought it was interesting was at the end of the year, I always clean up my website uh, for the heart attack. And uh, um, I wanted to make it a little bit uh, more focused on what I'm doing now. And I took the previous writing that I had on the <laughs> on the website and um, uh, no offense to everybody on this call, uh, on this call, on this podcast, but I said, can you please write this as if I were a middle-aged white man? <laughs> and um, it actually came back as I thought it would do With a much bolder, confident write-up and talked about my career in a way that I would never do myself um, because I'm just not like that. Where I think it becomes interesting, to your point about um, it getting worse if you keep on trying to um, narrow down, I guess, your request is... Um I'm I've been doing a series of LinkedIn lives and I decided it was about time after a year that I give this thing a title instead of always, you know, referring to it as a as a LinkedIn live. And so I started asking, okay, come up with a name for a series of talks with tech executives on tech and social impact. And so it comes up with a list, and then you say, Okay, do more. Or make it funnier or, and at the end of the day, if you keep on asking, it's as if, you know, GPT goes like, okay, I gave you 20, like, this is it. Like I can <laughs> keep on retweeting, you know, like tweaking those 20, but it do- is not infinite, I guess is what I'm saying. Um, and so I'm, I still don't have a title. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Alrighty. That is two topics down, two topics to go, which means it's half time here at clockwise. So I will take a break to tell you about Squarespace. You know them. You've heard of them who are bringing you this episode of clockwise. Squarespace is the all in one platform for building your brand and growing your business online. You can stand out with a beautiful website, engage with your audience, sell anything, your products, your services, even the content you create. Squarespace will help you get all of that done. With Squarespace, you can sell your products on an online store. So it could be physical or digital products. Squarespace has the tools you need to start selling online. Uh, You can get started with a best in class website template and customize it to fit your needs. It's as easy as browsing the category of your business to find a perfect starting place. And then you can customize it with just a few clicks. And you can also, as many people are doing these days, get blogging. Squarespace has powerful blogging tools to share stories, photos, videos, updates—you'll be able to categorize, share, and schedule your posts to make your content work for you. So you should check it out. Head over to squarespace.com/clockwise. You'll get a free trial with no credit card required. Yeah, you don't even have to type in a credit card. And then. When you're ready to launch, you use the offer code CLOCKWISE. Doing that will help you save 10% off your first purchase of a website or a domain. That's squarespace.com slash clockwise. And when you decide to sign up, use the offer code CLOCKWISE to get 10% off your first purchase. And of course, by doing so, you'll be showing your support of this show. So thank you to Squarespace for their support of Clockwise and all of Relay FM. All right, we are back from halftime, and that means it's
0: time for Dan's Topic. All right. Rumors of a touchscreen Mac once again reared their head this past week. Um, my question for you is, have you used a touchscreen laptop? I'm assuming a PC, obviously. Um, and would you want touch on your Mac?
3: Is that something you think would benefit your experience? Zach, what do you got? My, my kid is five. He recently told me that he is thankful that his iPad has a touchscreen, uh, as if there were iPads without touchscreen, <laughs> because my MacBook does not. Uh, and maybe that's a generational thing. Um, I also have experience where when we were buying my daughter, she's nine, a Chromebook during, uh, remote school, I opted for not touchscreen because it was just a better price than touchscreen and it had smaller bezels. So, so there's that, uh, I've not meaningfully used a laptop with touchscreen unless you count like an iPad pro, you know, in a laptop configuration. Um, but that's the extent of it. I think that if, The touchscreen edition on a MacBook, it's pretty basic. It's just now you have a touchscreen and nothing more. It could be useful for things like, um, you know, interacting with those iPad apps that are made for touchscreens and ported to the Mac or um, photo manipulation, like cropping or rotating or zooming, things you can do with the trackpad, but sometimes different apps treat them differently. The app Freeform on the Mac, it lacks some of the annotation features that the iPhone and Mm -hmm. iPad versions have because, I guess, no touch, although Preview on the Mac has them. So... Maybe that's just a cross-platform thing. But generally, um, if, if it's simple touch input, I just hope it doesn't come at the cost of bigger bezels and thicker displays. If not, cool. Uh, otherwise, if it's a whole new form factor they, they they try to treat laptops as, then that's more interesting.
1: I uh, have a Surface Laptop 3, I think it is, uh, from Microsoft, and it has a touchscreen on it. And I find myself... I. I only occasionally do use it, but I have to be careful because if I use it for too long and I actively use the touchscreen, then I'll start reaching out at other screens as if I can touch them. And that is annoying. I still am pretty skeptical. I, when I, I you know, am presented with the option between grabbing this MacBook Air or grabbing a, uh, an iPad of a similar size. I'm almost always going to go for the MacBook Air because I like the interaction that I have with a mouse or a trackpad and a keyboard versus everything happening on the screen. Um, In fact, just the other day, I remember uh, there was a message that I needed to send and a reply, and I knew it was going to be a long one. And so I was thinking, okay, either I'm going to grab my MacBook Air really quick or I'm going to go upstairs to my office and sit down uh, at the Mac Studio and type this out. Rather than using my thumbs to press the little tiny keyboard keys and it would just take forever um, so yeah i I don't want a touchscreen Mac because I think it's just going going to lead to uh, like poor muscle memory for me and confusion that i wouldn't like uh, but let's hear what Carolina thinks
2: initially when you know the theory that Apple had was um vertical, touching, you know, a vertical screen when your hands are not there doesn't make any sense. So basically your hands are where the keyboard is. And so moving your hand up doesn't make sense. And I was like, yes, they're right. And now it's like, no, they're not. (laughs) It depends actually from on, on how far that screen is. And so what I find myself is, you know, I would never want you know, the, the Mac Studio to uh, monitor to have it because there's no way I'm going to lengthen all my arm to get to it yeah, and touch, right. right? But the same with the laptop. So for a, for a MacBook, I've been using a 16-inch, which means it's a larger surface But usually, even when I'm working on a sofa or whatever, it's slightly further away from me, and I find it less natural to touch the screen. but. Uh, you know, whenever I use Surface, I, I have smaller footprint. And so I do use touch a lot. I also happen to use the iPad Pro as my main travel companion. So, you know, I, I think it's a convenient thing. I, I agree with Zach that the convenience is not worth a compromise on the screen size or, or the bezel, but. Why not? I certainly don't think that people on the PC side are waiting for Touch to jump over, because otherwise, you know, the, the theory that uh, Intel had a few years, eh, not even a few years ago, I think it was just over a year ago that they did the commercial with people not understanding that the PCs of Touch uh, wouldn't be through. So yeah, it is there.
0: I agree that there's uh, some utility to be had there. I think Apple's always been very strident in its sort of um, arguing that this is not necessary and that it's not the best experience. But I think that there is a lot of counter uh, argument to that. Most recently, of course, using an iPad Pro. Uh, with a keyboard, like a magic keyboard. Um, clearly, there is room for both things. And there's something very natural about touch. This is the reason the iPhone and the iPad were such a big hit, big hit in the first place. Uh, obviously, Mac OS needs some adjustment in order to make it the friendliest touch-based environment. And that is a question of how far Apple will take it. And I agree that You know, just slapping touch on there is not necessarily the answer to this, but you know, certainly using it as a launching uh, point for figuring out what else is possible when you integrate touch as well as having a keyboard and a trackpad available. I think there's some real potential there. Um and of course Apple is famous for saying things are are not the right way to approach it and then going ahead and doing its own version anyways at some point. So I am in no way surprised in in some ways my only real shock is that it took this long for Apple to get to a point where it actually was willing to uh to take a shot at this and I'm sure it's concerned about cannibalizing the iPad. Um but you know that that comes down to making a good product and figuring out what the best way to differentiate these things are and the best way to handle it. But You know, Overall, my feeling is the iPad showed that you can have a keyboard and trackpad pointer-based interaction system as well as touch. So the Mac really deserves to have that go the other way and have some touch added onto its keyboard and pointer interactions. Um, I, for one, would be happy to get one. But thank you all for your thoughts on that. Let's go to our last topic, which
3: comes from Zach. Hi, everybody. Today, Apple revived the original HomePod. They added some... Some tweaks to it that's about it same price same features a couple new things but uh i i I like the home a lot and so i'm glad it's officially back even if it's unchanged um by much uh but my question here is is what are some other discontinued tech products that you'd love to see make a comeback in 2023 what i'd love is for
1: Apple to bring back the Airport, uh, but do so in a way that we can just make use of these devices that we already have. If the HomePod Mini I have sitting on my desk here in my office was an Airport, um, you know, extender, and then I could have a, a full-size HomePod or even an Apple TV in my living room that was also a router. That would be brilliant because I could cut down on the number of devices I have. They can sit out and not seem like you just have, you know, a bunch of routers everywhere. All of that would work so beautifully. Uh, So that's the product I want them to revive, but in a new way. Uh, Carolina, your turn.
2: It's always hard because the things that I I was thinking of are, (laughs) for instance, Pebble which I don't know, it oh, dates me yeah. maybe, but Pebble. That, I've don't got know, one right here. <laughs> right? There's that kind of, or or iPod, the original one. Like there are some tech that you were like, oh, there's an emotional connection to yeah. it. But now if you're thinking about it, like Pebble today would make no sense, right? <laughs> as far as how far the technology has gone. So there's, there's more about that feeling and uh, attachment that is totally irrational to something that not necessarily something I can think of that would be useful today if it ever came back.
0: I I want a laser writer, bring the laser writer back Um, (laughs) or an image writer. (laughs) Um, Sorry, that's my printer. How do I turn that sound
1: into a title for this episode? (laughs) (laughs) What's that? (laughs)
0: Oh, you sweet summer child. Um, So I was going to say, I'm going to go a slightly different direction and go with a software product that I would like to see Apple revive. And that is HyperCard. Yes, HyperCard. What's that? (laughs) Ah, son of a... Um, (laughs) (laughs) For those among you who may be too young to remember HyperCard, HyperCard was a development... Like, I don't even know how to describe it. It was this great tool that essentially made it really easy to create... Um, little mini apps that were modeled on stacks of cards. And yes, I know there are some other You know, there's software out there right now uh, that kind of mimics that or or pays homage to it. But I'd love to see Apple revive something like this. You know, maybe combined with some of the work it's done on Swift uh, to sort of integrate a new generation of you know making programming interesting and accessible. Like when I was a kid, I built like an like a dungeon crawler in HyperCard, and it was so much fun because it was so easy. Like I didn't even have to know that much about programming to do it. I could learn stuff and like. the depth and complexity of what it could do but like i could just like drag buttons in and graphics and all that and like draw right on it i i really i loved mostly i think the thing that that apple has in some ways failed to capture with a lot of its new products and that's just fun um even, you know, Zach, you mentioned Freeform a few minutes ago, and that is an app that feels like it should be more fun than, than it is. <laughs> it is an app that feels like work and <laughs> surprisingly boring. Um, but I would love to see Apple really sort of invest in, in bringing back these tools that um, just made something like programming and creation of software fun and interesting
3: and accessible to everybody. So there you go. Zach, why don't you wrap us up here? All right, I I've, I've been a Mac user for about 15 years even if I'm joking about not knowing anything Dan's talking about. Uh so I, I do have a little bit of history with Mac stuff. Uh the 12-inch MacBook though, that the, the Retina version, oh the one my that goodness, was so cute. Mm-hmm. Yeah. so slow and had the worst battery life, maybe like 4 hours max of battery life practically. Um I adored that thing in 2015. I remember yes. I ordered one it, it you could order one from the same event that had the Apple Watch, the original Apple Watch, and um I, I bought a space gray one. It was the first space gray. Uh, Mac uh, laptop at the time. And uh, I, I love the heck out of it. Like I would plug it up to USB-C batteries just to get a little more juice out of it. And it would only tread water. It would never charge up, but it would just stay, you know, keep, it, keep its battery the same. Um, but that was in 2015. Things have changed. You could really, I mean, these days you you can charge from a car charger with USB-C and get, get fast speeds and actually charge up. Um, but the thing is just like whenever I come across pictures of it, even it looks modern, except for maybe like the top bezel now that we're in the notch era of, of Mac displays, but I loved it. It's so portable. Um, people would ask me about it. I remember being at Sonos event and, um, in San Jose, California and someone that worked at Sonos was like, what's that? And I was like, Oh, it's the new MacBook. And, uh, it just looks so futuristic and different. Um, I, like having a big Mac display at my desk with the keyboard and trackpad and mouse. But when I'm on the go, I kind of want to optimize for portability. And even though the MacBook air is thinner, lighter than the MacBook pro, um, especially lately, it it still doesn't compete with the 12 inch MacBook. Um, So I don't care if I had an M one chip when we were in like the M five era, it would be great. And I would love to have that come back Um, sort of superficially. The white ceramic Apple watch is my favorite Apple watch casing and it's gone. I'd buy that oh. in a heartbeat if they make a new one. And then, um, <laughs> like like Carolina said, the iPod, so a modern iPod Classic that you could it would be SSD inside and you know flash storage, and it would it would work with Apple Music. You could sync songs and download them offline and, and play back. That would just be neat to have a dedicated device for that. But um, biggest thing, twelve inch MacBook.
1: Well, we have reached the end of those topics, which means we have just enough time for a bonus topic. My question for you, what is your favorite or least favorite bug? And by bug, I do not mean a tech bug. I mean a creature that crawls and creeps. Uh, Carolina, we'll start with you.
2: My favorite is a ladybug or ladybird for the Brits online. Um, I think it's one of the cutest bugs ever, and uh, um, we usually buy them in the spring to put on all our um, rose bushes. Um, they're adorable.
0: I really love the look of the praying mantis. I think it's a cool-looking bug. I don't want one in my house, but, but I really <laughs> i think I think it's cool. And my least favorite are the ants that were
3: in my kitchen last year. <laughs> <laughs> my favorite would be the firefly. It's it's mystical. It's amazing. Least favorite is the, the bug that we call no in the South. Oh, yeah. They, mm-hmm. they bite you, you don't see them, but they're terrible. Um and then bonus discovery D is my least favorite software bug. The thing that would uh, add, dot <laughs> bug parentheses number bug <laughs> parentheses <laughs> 1, bug parentheses 2, bug parentheses 3.
1: Um for me, my favorite bug is definitely a stick insect. I just think they're so cool. I know they're not wise cuz they're bugs, but they just seem so wise and I just appreciate their false wisdom. Um and then my least favorite bug it's because I'm mad at it. It's the Spotted Lantern Fly, I think it's called. And the reason why I'm mad at it is because it's such a gorgeous, gorgeous bug, but it destroys. Exactly. It's an absolute turd of a bug. Um, (laughs) But man, do they look so cool. And yet they're evil. Absolutely evil. Um, thank you all for your answers on that bonus topic. Folks, if you'd like to get ad-free episodes that come with an extra overtime topic every week, you can become a member of Clockwise. You just go to relay.fm slash clockwise and sign up for $5 a month or $50 a year, and that will let you help support the show. And this week's overtime topic, we discuss technology hobbies. And now it is time for the end of this episode of Clockwise. All that is left is to thank our wonderful guests. Carolina Milanese, thank you so much for joining us today for this episode of Clockwise.
2: Thank you very much for having me.
1: And
0: Zach Hall, thank you so much for being here. Thank you, Dan. Thank you, everybody. And Michael will be back next week. But until then, we remind everyone out there listening, watch what you say and keep watching the clock. Bye, everybody.